What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What's up, guys? This is Mike, and you're listening to episode 21 of the Mike and Dave Podcast. Super Bowl 56 between, you know, two fairly unlikely teams, one more so than the other in the Bengals facing off against the Rams in L.A. It's going to be an exciting game. Of course, we're going to talk about that. We had the NBA uh, announce, like, who the NBA All-Star starters and reserves are going to be. So, of course, we're going to talk about that. But before any of that, we're going to get started with Off the Top. What's up, guys? This is Dave, and it's my turn this week to come up with the prompt for Mike. So this time, we're going to be talking about NFL quarterbacks. And Mike, what you are going to be doing is you're going to be creating your best quarterback based on current NFL, based only on current NFL quarterbacks by traits. So there's going to be five different traits. You have arm strength, accuracy, IQ, leadership, and mobility. And just to clarify, current NFL quarterbacks means you you can't use Big Ben, you can't use Tom Brady. Okay, so you can't you can't say Tom Brady for IQ or leadership or whatever you wanted to say. Um, but I'm going to give you approximately ten seconds for each trait, and you can only use a quarterback one time. So let's say you wanted to use Mahomes for arm strength and arm accuracy or whatever. Um, you're not allowed to do that. You can only use one quarterback, one time, and then they're marked off of the list. All right. I think mobility, it's got to be Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's a, a lot, he's a threat to run for a hundred yards on any, or in any given game by himself, let alone lead the team to that. Uh, Mahomes I'll, I'll use for accuracy. Uh, deep ball, Justin Herbert doesn't have the worst deep ball in the world. Uh, why not? Does he have the best? Because uh, it is the best. We we're talking about the best traits. Yeah. Hmm. I'll, I'll still take Herbert for his deep ball. Why not? Okay. Uh, IQ. Russell Wilson. And that leaves leadership. Correct. All right, uh, you ready for this one? He's brought his team to the Super Bowl in his second year because he's a, a born winner. Joe Burrow, why not? Give me that man has mean swagger, uh, and he rallies a team behind him. Joe Burrow's leadership in his second year in the NFL. So we got Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, uh, Russell Wilson. Did I finish? And you had Mahomes for accuracy. And Mahomes accuracy. Hmm. Okay. Notable omissions. Jo- Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Um. I. So when I thought of accuracy, the first guy I thought of was Russell Wilson. Um. Mahomes. I don't know. Mahomes is like an interesting one because like you could definitely put him for arm strength. Um. For sure. You could also put Josh Allen for arm strength. Her- Herbert, I could say, I would say is in the conversation, but. I thought about Aaron Rodgers as well for accuracy. And, and I th- guess the line, like my train of thought there was like, I was going to do Mahomes for mobility because I was thinking about not, or, excuse me, I was thinking about 
the last Super Bowl and how like he was running for his life and probably had 300 rushing yards behind the line of scrimmage. And he, we kept seeing him do that this year, but I was like, eh, Lamar Jackson. And so Mahomes became accuracy, which is where I probably would have put Rodgers anyway. That's an interesting list. Um, Joe Burrow for leadership. I respect that. Um, I'm surprised you didn't put Jimmy Garoppolo in any of these. But <laughs> Snub. Where's the facial hair category? That's true. The mustache. Yeah. Where's the looks the most like an NFL quarterback? <laughs> looks the part. But alrighty. So there you have it. Um, that was, I just thought that would be a fun little exercise. I was going to do like all time quarterbacks too, but then I, I was like, it. well, I already know he's going to pick Brady. And then it's just like, eh, let's just do current ones just to see. Yeah, uh, Brady would have made it. Michael Vick would have made it. You think Peyton Mike, Manning? You think Michael Vick is more mobile than Lamar? I like Lamar better for design runs, but I like Vick uh, better for escaping pressure and then like making a play behind the line of scrimmage after that. So I probably would have gone that direction. Okay. That's interesting. Well, who knows? Maybe we'll do a version of uh, all-time NFL quarterbacks in the future. Oh, shoot. But, cool. But that wraps up off the top. And when we come back, we're going to start breaking down the Super Bowl. All right. We are just two days away from Super Bowl 56. And I'm excited because, you know, even though I'm sad that it's not going to have Brady in it, and no more ever will. Damn. It is nice, for parody's sake, to see completely different teams. No Chiefs, no 49ers, you know, um, no Brady, none of the like major players of late. Um, I mean, I guess you'd argue the Rams were there like a few years ago, but this is the Rams with Stafford, so it, it still has a very different feel to it. Then you got the Bengals, who haven't been there since the 80s uh, with Joe Burrow. Just a super good feel in L.A. Also, I'm very much looking forward to the halftime show, but that's beside the point. I'm j I just included that because this is like the most hype I've been for a halftime show, which will speak to my like musical inclination, but whatever. This isn't what the podcast is about. We're going to talk about what's going on on the field. Dave, what are your thoughts going into this Super Bowl? Uh, my thoughts are you redeemed yourself from the, your picks in the divisional rounds um, by successfully predicting that the Bengals would make it to the Super Bowl, which they have. Let's go. Um, so congratulations to you and congratulations to the Bengals, I guess, um, <laughs> on reaching the Super Bowl. I, I agree with you. I think this is a really exciting game. The storylines are um, abundant. I mean, you've got the Rams in L.A. Can they be the first team to win the Super Bowl at home, even though the Super Bowl obviously is never, it's always played in a neutral location. I'm using quotation marks, even though you can't see that. Um, and of course, you got the Bengals. Joe Burrow, can he win the Heisman, the college national championship, and the Super Bowl within his first, within three seasons? Um 
of each other or three years, I guess, of each other. That would be insane. Yeah, not only would Joe Burrow be the first to do that like in a three-year span, he'd be the first quarterback of all time to do that period, winning the national championship, the Heisman, and the Super Bowl. So he still has plenty of time to do it if he doesn't do it this year, but to do it in three years would be insane. Yeah, and I think because he got injured in that first season and because, I mean, let's be honest, he didn't have a great season. He wasn't bad. He wasn't like, you know... Trevor Lawrence, the number one pick this past year, his season was a lot better than that. But you you would have to say he probably didn't really meet expectations. And then, of course, he tore his ACL um, going into the season, even in uh, training camp. I remember rumors of like, is Burrow looking like his former self? Um, is he ready to, to come back in week one and um, be the player that we know he can be? All of this. Fast forward to today, and they have a real shot of winning the whole thing. And it just, it kind of seems like when you see the Bengals in the Super Bowl, it's kind of like, really? You know, it just kind of has that that type of of uh, connotation to it, for me at least. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to, to see these two teams battle it out. Um, in terms of offensive firepower, I would say two, like, two out of the top five teams in the NFL in terms of weapons that on, on either side. On one side, of course, the Rams, you've got Cooper Cup, the triple crown winner this year at the receiver position. Odell, I mean, he's arguably the biggest name out of any of them. Um, a running back, I mean, Cam Akers, my Florida State guy, you already know. Um, and Sony Michelle was there too, I guess. Um, and then on the other side, you have the dynamic duo of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd in the slot, um, and Joe Mixon at running back. I mean, these are a lot of really, really talented players. And with quarterbacks in Burrow and Stafford, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, which of these guys in the, who are kind of the opposite ends of their career, you know, nobody expected Burrow to make it this soon. And Stafford, you know, languishing away in Detroit for all those years finally gets away and then all of a sudden boom in the Super Bowl his first year it's pretty crazy um and in terms of storylines like I was talking about before Sean McVay and that front office of the Rams you know we we've talked before on this podcast about how the Rams approach things differently than the rest of the teams in the league they aren't like they want to go after the star players they went out and they got Von Miller this year you know, they don't care about drafting in the first round. They really could care less. They want to trade for established star players who they can pair with their other established star players. Um, and sure, it's more of a top-heavy approach, but when most of your guys stay healthy, they're showing that it can work. And they're, you know, one Super Bowl game and win away from proving that their methods work and that they were right to get rid, you know, give up on Jared Goff. And they were right to give up all of those picks and everything for Stafford because at the end of the day, even if you just win one Super Bowl, that justifies everything. You know, you could go, at least in my opinion, that makes or breaks your your career, especially as a as a coach or a, a GM. Um, it's can you actually reach that summit and and actually get there? You know, like we saw with the Falcons, 
it was kind of reminds me of the Bengals in some ways in terms of nobody's really expecting them to make any kind of major noise that season. They make it all the way to the Super Bowl, but it can't finish the job. You know, both of these teams are going to be looking to do that. Um, like you said, the Rams are definitely more of the favorite and were at the beginning of the season as well. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see these two offenses uh, match up and see who comes out on top. Yeah, first of all, so you mentioned that uh, report that was coming out of training camp as it related to Joe Burrow. We weren't hearing good things about Jamar Chase in those same reports. And then Jamar Chase comes out, has an unbelievable rookie season. Uh, so when you start seeing stuff on Twitter, don't always take it at face value because you know people could be saying Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase aren't going to work in the pros. Their first year together in the NFL, they're doing big things already. So point that out. And I agree with what I agree with you on what you're saying about like, you know, sort of mortgaging the future uh, in favor of pursuing a championship right away if you're the Rams. Unless your fan base is one like the uh, the Patriots when they had Brady or, um, you know, Lakers fans or something, a, a fan base that's used to winning like very frequently, like inter- winning the whole thing and everything. Uh, most fan bases, I believe, would rather like win a championship and then like have a couple relatively rough seasons than have like season after season after season of like mediocrity or slightly better without having any sort of like fruits of that labor. Um, I know as like as a fan of Atlanta sports. <laughs> You know, I'll take like some crappy years if it means, hey, eventually we're going to find the like proverbial pot of gold at the end of this like shit rainbow, right? Uh, What the Rams are doing is saying like, we're pursuing that pot of gold hard and we're putting everything that we have into getting it right away. Um, And yeah, like you said, getting Von Miller, uh, obviously before this season, getting Jalen Ramsey, like getting Stafford. They're all in. Uh, and also with Stafford, like I think Stafford is like the perfect example of when you look at quarterbacks, and we'll obviously have an NFL draft episode, um, you know, as that approaches, where we'll talk about like some upcoming prospects. But with quarterbacks especially, you really have to look at more than just talent. You have to look at destination because it's the pairing of the two that can determine how good a quarterback's career goes uh we see this a lot with like the jets right uh decent prospects go there and have shit careers because the jets are just awful uh stafford in one season away from detroit is showing that he can like put it up with the best of them and lead a team to a super bowl and i mean the word he used was languishing yep he uh had year after year there being good but being unnoticed because his team wasn't enough to like support him yeah, I mean, we saw it this past year. Mac Jones had the best rookie season. He also landed in the best spot for a quarterback. Um, let, let's say you put Trevor Lawrence in New England. I can almost assure you that Trevor Lawrence is going to have a much better season than he did in the on the Jags, where there was obviously d- dysfunction, obviously a lack of talent at the receiver position, 
um, the offensive play calling was bad. Like it was just bad all around. And he felt like he had to force everything. And let's just say it, lack of leadership from the top down. Right. Yeah. It was just bad all, all over. And so you, you can't really blame Trevor Lawrence for having such a bad season when he had such little support. You know, we put a lot of emphasis on the quarterbacks and for good reason, but they can't, you know, games like where Burrow got sacked nine times and they still won. That's only going to happen every once in a few years, honestly. Like, it's such a team sport and, uh, you know, offensive line is so important. Guys who can, you know, the balance of running the football versus passing the football is so important. You know, guys who can win one-on-one battles at the receiver and the tight end positions are so important, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, when you look at Burrow, the offensive line improved. It's They're still not great, but they're better than they were last year. They draft Jamar Chase. Um, and, you know, a lot of people were saying they should have drafted an offensive lineman instead. I know we said that on the podcast too. I'll eat Especially crow Mike. On that one. I'll eat crow on that one. I was definitely like, what are y'all doing not getting Penny Sewell? Which, to be fair, Sewell had a good rookie season, and I'm sure he would have helped the Bengals' offensive line. But when it comes down to it, like Burrow may or may not have been the missing piece there, but they were also working on building up talent um, over the course of of the years. You know, um, good draft picks, really savvy free agent signings like Trey Hendrickson. He had that one good year on the Saints. They signed him to this big deal. Everybody's kind of like, I don't know. Are they just paying him just because he had one good season and it happened to be in his contract year? But no, he's come out, been a game changer for that pass rush. Speaking of that offensive line, when you look at the Rams, what's the strength of their entire team? Cooper Cup on offense, Aaron Donald on defense. It's going to be Aaron Donald versus that offensive line. And Joe Burrow is really going to have to be cool back there because Aaron Donald's going to be coming at him and being at his throat the entire game. Um, unless they can find some way to contain him, which no one's ever come up with a, with a way to do that yet. So that's going to be one of my big matchups to watch too. Uh, Aaron Donald versus the interior of that offensive line. And then also Jamar chase and the receivers uh, versus Jalen Ramsey. Um, and the and the Rams secondary. If the Rams de- like the Rams have the pieces on defense to slow down the Bengals, I don't know if the Bengals have the, all the tools on defense to slow down the Rams. I mean, Cooper Cup was unstoppable this year, um, but you never know. I always say turnovers are such a huge thing. Whatever team can um, keep the chains moving and and avoid turnovers, avoid momentum shifts like that. I think that's the team that's going to win the game. You mentioned Jalen Ramsey as a as a piece to help stop that uh, passing attack from the Bengals. Let's also give a shout to Eric Weddle. Uh, that that man feels like it feels like that man has been in the NFL for like twenty years. I mean, obviously that's a bit of an exaggeration, but he's bringing leadership to that Rams secondary as well that I think is going to be vital. Of course, he was on like those quality Ravens teams too. Um, now, also just for speaking about guys that have been in the NFL forever. Just shout out Andrew Whitworth real quick on the Rams O-line. He'll be the eighth player in NFL history to play in a Super Bowl at age 40 or older. 
He literally has gray hair. Actually, no, he has no hair, but his beard is gray. It's like, it's ridiculous. I'm like, you need to be a grandpa not playing left tackle in the NFL. He, um, technically he's old enough to be one. I mean, if he had a kid at a young age and that kid then also had a kid at a young age, he could be one. Um, I guess the last players that we haven't shouted out yet, but we absolutely need to. Let's hear it for these kickers, man. Both of these kickers have been clutching up all season, but especially the postseason, man. Matt Gay on the on the Rams, Evan McPherson on the Bengals. I mean, I guess Evan McPherson has been more impressive, but not not for any like lack of of beauty on Matt Gay's part. Like these kickers have been balling, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the Super Bowl come down to a battle of kickers. Shoot. I mean, we definitely saw that in the playoffs up to this point, for sure. Um, I mean, McPherson has to be more impressive because this is, this is his rookie year. Like, yes, when you actually draft a kicker, not in the last round of the draft, you expect him to be really good. But we saw with Roberto Aguayo, that doesn't always happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, special teams, we talked about that on the last episode, is crucial. We'll just have to, you know, we'll have to see how it all shakes out. But and shout out to Zach Taylor as well, the coach of the Bengals. He used to be a coach under Sean McVay with the Rams only like three, four years ago. Comes to the Bengals hoping to completely turn them around. And now in just a couple, you know, three years or so, they're in the Super Bowl. So shout out to Zach Taylor. That's, you know, talking about storylines. That's another storyline that is going to make this game even more interesting. So now it's come down to score prediction time. Mike, who are you predicting to win and what is your score prediction? Well, first of all, I'm kind of going to go in reverse. Um, after all that we've seen this postseason, I'll be damned if I'm not going to say that this game is decided by a, a field goal at the end. Winning this game 30 to 27. I've got the Rams, man. The, I, now, when I say I've got the Rams, that's my prediction. Like, I'm locking it in. But if you, if the Bengals end up winning, don't come at me on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Like, you idiot. Like, the Bengals, the Bengals won, obviously. Or, like, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not going to be surprised. Like, I'm not going to be very surprised if the Bengals win. There is something to love about Joe Burrow. I have a ton of respect for him. Kid's a winner. If he doesn't win this one, he will win at least one in his career. Mark it. Um, but for my money, I would I would go for the Rams, and I'll go 30-27 on them. Okay. I think that's fair enough. In terms of the score prediction, I'm going to go 26 to 24. And you know what? I'm also going to pick the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, that was probably a lot of dramatic effects. I've got to pick the Rams. Um, I'm, I want, you know, I, I'm split. I'm not, I'm going to be watching it because it's a good game, not because it's, you know, I want either team to win. 
Um, cause both teams, I think have a lot of reasons why I would like them to win, but I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go with the Rams on this one. I, I do want to say one other thing. When I, when the Bucks won last year, like one of my favorite things to see is like some of the players reactions, like in the moment and in the days following to having finally won a Super Bowl, Right. And one of the ones that stuck out for me last year was Chris Godwin celebrating with his girlfriend, like on the field after the Super Bowl. And if the Rams win, I think we're going to see like a really emotional moment between Matthew Stafford and his wife, Kelly, of course, like her having to over, like she had to relearn how to walk. Right. Um, so that's going to be cool to see like if, uh, if the Rams win, but if the Bengals win, the level of swag on Joe Burrow in that parade is going to be like unparalleled. Like Brady throwing the trophy in the boat parade was something, but look at the like the how a uh, Burrow dressed for like the previous game with the with the ice on his neck and everything. Can you imagine if he wins the Super Bowl? He's going to be out of his mind. So like. I will not be disappointed per se if the Bengals win because I know that that's coming. So those are my like reasonable predictions, I guess. We'll have like the heartfelt celebration if the Rams win, or like the uh, the super like lit or whatever one if the Bengals win. I feel old saying <laughs> like that feels wrong coming out of my mouth. I couldn't think of a better word for Burrow. I'm just gonna leave that there. When we come back, we're going to look at who was named an all-star for this year's NBA season, uh, those rosters, and maybe even the uh, three-point contest and dunk contest as well. All right, with the all-star game just about a week away, uh, Mike and I wanted to break down uh, the all-star rosters, who we think maybe also didn't make it, who should have made it, and who made it and maybe shouldn't have made it. Um, Now, with a caveat of... we. Um, yesterday, when you're listening to this, they would have had the all-star draft. Um, so right now, as we're recording, we do not know uh, who's going to be on which team. Uh, so just as a caveat there, but we are still, we do still know who's, you know, who the injury replacements are, you know, who the rosters are going to be. So we're going to break that down. And I guess I wanted to start with... Um, one of the main contentious talking points that that has um, arisen because of this year's group of all-stars. That's Andrew Wiggins making it as an all-star starter. Um, I can almost guarantee you that Andrew Wiggins is going to be taken last out of those starters, and for good reason. And I'll, I will also come out and say I am not an Andrew Wiggins uh, I do not love his game. I'll say that. Uh, but I will say that he has improved significantly this year. Should he be an all-star? Maybe on the fringe. But let's be honest. He is not better than a lot of these other guys who are behind him. And like, how is he ahead of Luka in, as a starter? It, it's just, it's crazy. It also just shows you the love that you know, the Warriors fans have for their team and the impact that having a dynasty like that can can bring to, you know, a certain group of fans. But Andrew Wiggins is an all-star starter. I, I just can't see it. 
the fan vote <clears throat> matters way too much. Like, it seems every few years or so we get a pick like this where you're just like, what? Like, you know, they'll vote players in that haven't even really played all season. You know, all this. Um, Andrew Wiggins as a starter is 100% because of this, like, dynastic franchise that is the Warriors and they're like, wild fans but i mean you said luca you already know i don't like this player but devin booker is having a better season than wiggins and it's not really close uh heck even if like the idea of having one center only in this in the starting lineup is silly to me just play just call Jokic a four and put gobert in there i don't care gobert's had a much better season than wiggins um I'd rather see Chris Paul in that starting lineup than Andrew Wiggins. I'd rather see Donovan Mitchell in that starting lineup. Any of these reserves, dude. I don't care. Like, you, you had to uh, bring DeJounte Murray in as an injury replacement for Draymond, and I'd rather see DeJounte Murray in there than Andrew Wiggins. But you know what? I'm I'm cool with Wiggins being a an all-star. Uh, he really has, like, committed to improving his game. Uh, he's, like, definitely taken that, like, big step that he's – that frankly he should have taken years ago. Let's just call it what it is for a former number one pick. But I have no problem calling him an all-star. A starter? Nah. Let's calm that down. To be fair, outside of that, I think the starters make a lot of sense for each um, from the East and the West. I mean, KD, Giannis, Embiid, I think are shoe-ins from the East. And then you've got DeMar DeRozan, who we've talked about previously, is having an amazing season. I think he should get in for sure. And then our guy Trey Young. Uh, you know, Right now he's third in the league in scoring and third in the league in assists. Sure, the Hawks have underperformed a little bit, but it's not because of it's not because of Trey. So I think he definitely deserves to be in there. And then you look at the West. LeBron, yep, he's still being LeBron. Steph has cooled down a little bit, but he's still Steph. Um, Jokic is you know, maybe going for back-to-back MVPs right now. Um, he's been crazy. John Morant has elevated his game to another level as well. So you can't really say anything about the other starters. It was just Wiggins that I think um, d- definitely didn't deserve to be a starter. And like I said, on the fringe for, for actually making and the Jokic team. Jokic is literally on pace to have the most efficient season of all time. Like, come on. that's It's a no-brainer. And, uh, yeah, I'm really happy to see DeRozan as a starter for what he's done in Chicago is just fantastic. Can't give him enough credit. And then just like to mention Kevin Durant, who won't be playing because of an injury. He'll be replaced in that starting lineup by Jason Tatum, who's also had a really good year. For sure. And we have several guys making their first ever all-star appearances, um, which I love to see. Uh, I feel like, sure, there are going to be some players like LeBron who should make it every year. You know, but it's it's cool to see some of these guys uh, get rewarded for having really good season so far. Um, so those players, we've got DeJounte Murray making it for the first time, as well as John Morant and Wiggins, like we talked about before. Uh, that's in the West. And in the East, we have LaMelo Ball, who continues to <laughs> make me eat my words. Uh but hey, he's a you know he's really fun to watch. Um, the Hornets just in general are actually like kind of cool yeah. now, which is pretty interesting because they were like the opposite for however long. Um, but yeah, we have Lamelo. Darius Garland has stepped up in 
for the Cavaliers and been a major catalyst as, as to their success this season, which has kind of been out of nowhere as well. And then we have Fred Van Vliet, who is kind of the guy for the Rap- for that Raptors team now. The Raptors haven't really had a great season, but Van Vliet continues to improve and uh, kind of show everybody why he should have been drafted. Um, this guy is, uh, you know, he's a good distributor. He's a good scorer. Um, and he continues to improve his game year upon year. And this year is his best to date. And I think he's a worthy, um, worthy member of his all-star team. I agree. I'm, I'm glad that Van Fleet is getting that love. Um, let me say something that I never thought I'd say around the, the time of the all-star, uh, break. Let me say something about the Cleveland Cavaliers. First of all, I'm glad that Darius Garland made the All-Star team because he deserves it, and I was worried he wouldn't because it's Cleveland. They don't get a lot of love. Even though they're, like, balling, uh, Darius Garland is doing extremely well. And to, to start off a discussion about snubs, Jared Allen didn't make the All-Star game. I think he should have. He's having a great year. He's anchoring their defense, and their defense is one of the best in the NBA. Certainly, like, top two in the East because of him. Uh, and when you look at the reserves on in the East, it's all guards. Unless you want to call Jimmy a three, it's it's literally Jimmy and then LaMelo, point guard, Darius, point guard, James Harden, whatever he decides to be on any given day, Zach Levine, shooting guard, Chris Middleton, I guess small forward, uh, or but in play shooting guard as well. Fred Van Vliet, point guard. Where's our reserve big? Where's Jared Allen? And why am I saying that Cleveland should have two all stars? What is happening this year? But I believe it. Jared Allen should be here, the Eastern Gobert, it seems. <laughs> but no love. Uh, that he's my snub. Speaking of guys who have really elevated their games this year. Miles Bridges comes mm-hmm. to mind. Um, this guy, for the, the first few years in the league, was just kind of known for occasionally doing some crazy dunk in a game. But other than that, just kind of um, just a lot of potential, a lot of tools. Uh, but he's figured out how to utilize all of those. But Miles Bridges and LaMelo Ball are forming a dynamic duo for that Hornets team. And honestly, I feel like they were probably splitting a lot of votes because people didn't know who to vote for on that team. Of course, LaMelo ended up making it, but I think honestly, both of them could have made it. Um, so Miles Bridges is one. And then the fact that DeJounte Murray, like sure, the Spurs have been pretty bad, but the fact that DeJounte Murray had to be an injury replacement is crazy to me. He's been so, so good for them. He's really there. Him. And I guess Jakob Pertl has actually had a decent season, but for the most part, like, DeJounte Murray is the future of that Spurs organization. Um, and his, you know, he competes every night offensively and defensively. Great rebounder for his position. Uh, operates as a true point guard, but he can play the two. Uh, just generally a fantastic player and a guy who I'm glad ended up making that, that all-star team because he deserved it. Definitely. And a lot of time I think we worry that like, if you have a team that isn't successful, that team's like best player will have, I won't have his efforts rewarded because that team just doesn't like no one cares about that team. And so should he have made it without being an injury reserve? Yeah. But like you said, 
it's good that DeJounte Murray is getting that recognition because however bad the Spurs are, they'd be monumentally worse off without him. Also, we we just kind of skipped over Morant, but I mean, this guy, I was talking to you the other day and I feel like every time I look at the box score, he's scoring 30 plus these days. Um, He's ridiculous. You know, thankfully he was able to come back from that injury he he suffered uh, earlier this season and you know, he's come back with a vengeance. He's been so, so good. So, so exciting to watch. Um, he was number two on my, uh, top five NBA players or top favorite NBA players right now. Um, and I think he's going to be a guy we're going to see in the all-star game pretty much every year, uh, barring injury or, or something. I mean, he looks like one of the faces of the, of the NBA in the future, if not already. Yeah, it's really funny. Your uh, number two favorite player is a starter in the West, and my number two favorite player is a starter coming out of the East in DeRozan. So seeing some uh, some love from our last episode coming back here. But I agree. I love John Moran's game. I think he will be an all-star for years to come, uh, probably an all-star starter for years to come, potentially even a future MVP. Uh, there are very few players and I think I said this on the last episode, but there are a few players his age or like even within a few years of it that I would rather build around. I mean, he's he's got like everything you'd really look for in a, a franchise player unless you want to argue height. and Or shooting. John Morant more than me. <laughs> or shooting. But what John Morant brings night in and night out is just irreplaceable in my mind. So it'll be interesting to see how the draft shakes out obviously if you're listening to this you already know how it does i have mixed feelings about all-star games in general it just kind of seems like whoever wins mvp is the one who takes it the most seriously and jacks up the most shots so it's just kind of like anybody could theoretically be the andrew wiggins could be the mvp maybe everybody's like we see you you know getting all this shade andrew we're just going to pass you the ball and and you're going to jack up like 30 shot attempts and you're, you know, you're going to score 30 points because you're trash. And then, um, <laughs> and then you're going to win all-star, you know, MVP, uh, by default. I'm by sure default. that's how the conversation is going to go too. You're going to score 30 because you're trash. Yeah. On 30 shots. <laughs> you're inefficient yeah. and trash. Yeah. Hey, but maybe now that I'm thinking about it, maybe Wiggins is a good pick for the all-star game. Because nobody actually plays defense. So <laughs> anyway, en- enough of roasting Andrew Wiggins. Um, though I, I mean, I admit I do enjoy doing that. Um, let's let's shift over to the um, the three point contest. The participants were just announced a little while ago as we're recording this. Um, so we've got <clears throat> eight different competitors. We've got Desmond Bain from the Grizzlies, Luke Kennard from the Clippers. Zach Levine from the Bulls, CJ McCollum from the Pelicans now, which is pretty interesting. And well, uh, just to, as an aside, real quick, we're going to break down the NBA trade trade deadline on the next episode because, as uh, as we referenced before, we are not recording this in time to to see what all the different trades are going to be. So we'll just break those down on, in the following episode. Now, going back to the three-point contest participants, we've got Patty Mills from the Nets, Carl Anthony Towns from the Wolves, the only big man on this list, 
uh, Fred Van Vliet from the Raptors, and then our guy Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks. So pretty interesting lineup there from guys who were looked at as just pure three-point shooters to guys like Towns and Trey Young, who were kind of looked at as more of just, you know, all-around offensive threats. Mike, when you look at these uh, contestants, who immediately stands out to you? Trey Young. Uh, what? Okay, so you already know, Hawks fan, I got to go for Trey Young. But even like that bias aside, Luke Kennard, more so than anyone on this list, stands out to me as a specialist. Uh, so I expect him to do pretty well. Uh, Zach Levine, I wouldn't be shocked to see him win this, actually. Uh, I think Zach Levine is just the type that really loves the spotlight, can pour it on. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him come away with it. But I think, to me, the odds-on favorite should be Trey Young. Uh, On this list, he's the most prolific scorer that's still known for his three-point shooting. Uh, coming out of college, he was put on this pedestal as if he was going to be the next Steph Curry, and that didn't come from nothing. Uh, he also, as we saw in the playoffs last year, does love to be in that spotlight, so I don't think the lights will be too big for him, because that's a thing. Uh, a lot of players can be rattled by, like, you know, obviously they're all NBA players, they do this professionally, but we have seen in past three-point contests guys that you'd expect to do a lot better, just not being ready for this particular environment. So I, I would go either Zach Levine because he has been a member of All-Star Weekend several times bef- uh, before, albeit typically for his dunks, and Trey Young because he's used to like A, jacking up threes, and B, living in the spotlight. So I'll go one of those two, probably Trey Young, just to let my bias overshadow it all. Yeah, I mean, Trey Young is <clears throat> going to be up there in terms of the favorites. But you kind of mentioned the guy I was looking at in Luke Kennard. I mean, this guy is a pure three-point shooter. Um, and just generally speaking, he's been playing a lot better in the past month or so uh, on that Clippers team. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him make the finals, maybe even win the whole thing. Uh, a couple of the other guys you didn't really mention, Patty Mills. I mean, he's a guy who, who can really snipe from downtown as well. Uh, he could be a dark horse. But also Desmond Bain. I mean, this is a guy who's kind of come out of nowhere, I think, to be a major factor in the reason why, or a major factor into the Grizzlies' uh, really good season that they've put together so far. Uh, He's a sniper from distance as well. Uh, He's been really impressive this year. And then, of course, we got Carl Anthony Towns, the big man. Um, It's it's not going to happen. For for Cat, let's just be honest. Unrelated to him being big, I do expect him to be the worst one there. Yeah. Um, and then you got Van Vliet as well, who... I think if I had to pick three... Um, I, I do like what you said about Levine, and it would be interesting to see him be the only guy ever to win the slam dunk contest and the three-point contest. But I think... Loki, I'm going to go for Luke Kennard to win this. Um, and then Van Vliet and then Zach Levine as my top three. Um, but I just got a feeling about Luke Kennard, man. Uh, it's always these these specialist guys who are like, this is their one moment to shine, you know? 
Um, and I, I just have a feeling that, that he's going to do really well. So uh, three-point contest is always pretty interesting to, to watch. And I think the like even like even more in recent years as the three-point shot has continued to be more and more important. So that'll be interesting. And then, of course, moving over to the dunk contest, this one has arguably gotten less interesting over the years. Um, but, Mike, why don't you list out the contestants and give your thoughts on each of them? Don't get me started. Uh, we got Obi Toppin from the Knicks, Jalen Green from the Rockets, Cole Anthony from the Magic, and Juan Toscano-Anderson from the Warriors. All four of these guys have been in the league three years or less. Now, you said it's been getting like less interesting. Yeah, uh, gone are the days where you know, like the the real like major stars of the NBA would participate in these. And I mean, we could look at like the '80s and '90s when Jordan and Wilkins were going at it. We could look back at like Kobe competing in a dunk contest, Vince Carter, right? The big names. And now it's like, who's young and moderately athletic with some like free time this weekend? Apparently, like. <sighs> Obi Toppin, I mean, he won College Player of the Year. Jalen Green was a a super high draft pick. I, I'm looking at these contestants, and I'm just going like, I mean, cool, but like, where's the wow factor? You know, there's not a single name on here that like sells, if that makes sense. The only people nationally that would get excited about this that weren't going to watch the dunk contest anyway are people that are fans of the Knicks, Rockets, Magic, and Warriors. So, of course, you got your Warriors faithful, right? But, like, they're... You got your Knicks faithful. You got your... Yeah, a.k.a. the media. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> watch. The, the media are going to pick who's going to win the dunk contest, and, like, all of them, but, like, three are going to pick Obi Toppin. And then Obi Toppin won't win it. Uh, yeah. Now, you said we said this the other day in conversation, but if they really wanted a warrior, take, take Gary Payton the second. Like, they didn't even get the best warrior for this, and they still didn't even have to get a big-name player, but Gary Payton the second probably would have put, in, put on a bigger show. I mean, maybe all four of these guys will come out and, like, do the most incredible thing I, things I've ever seen and shut me up. I just don't feel like that's going to happen. Uh, I mean, I'm going to guess Obi Toppin does win it um, for having that mix of both like leaping ability and power, uh, which often has its emphasis in the dunk contest. A lot of judges love to see that like sh- clean, strong release, throwing it through the rim. Uh, ferocity yeah and I'm still gonna watch it but you know there's no star to be like super hype about it is kind of like a who cares lineup I mean I think Jalen Green will win it I think his bounce is pretty insane but like some of these other guys I mean Cole Anthony respect to him he's actually had a really good season down there in Orlando but I don't really know about him in terms of like, I mean, when you think of like the great dunkers in the NBA, 
You're not really thinking of any of these guys at all. I mean, talking about John Morant, if, if John Morant was in the dunk contest, people would be hyped. Like, everybody would be watching that to watch him. But, nope. Instead of him, we've got, like, Cole Anthony. Or, like, or Jalen Green, you know? Um, and you mentioned Miles Bridges earlier. I mean, he was in, uh, I think, last year's? And he's getting more and more attention. He would have sold, like, a lot of... Or he would have brought a lot of attention to it. We can complain all we want about it. Like like Mike said, we're still going to watch it. So to recap our predictions, I had Trey Young winning the three-point contest, and I had Obi Toppin winning the dunk contest. And I guess just to add one more prediction, Giannis will be the first guy drafted for the All-Star game. Wiggins will be the last drafted starter. And Fred Van Vliet is who I'm going to say will be the last drafted um, overall player. Uh, just to like sort of touch all those bases one more time. All-Star Weekend is always fun. It's typically one of my favorite weekends of the year. I wish I could be more hype about the dunk contest, but those are my predictions for those going forward. You want to hit them with your predictions one more time? Sure. I definitely did not prepare for any of those those last predictions that you said so i don't even remember what you said but um yeah jalen green will win the dunk contest luke Kennard will win the three-point contest uh, in terms of who gets drafted first i'll say steph why not and then yeah wiggins will be drafted last among the starters and who will be drafted last overall um i'm gonna go with chris middleton So that wraps up our discussion for the NBA All-Star Weekend in terms of a preview. When we come back, we'll go ahead and put someone on the hot seat and then wrap up the show with Dave's Fun Fact. All right, so now it's that time of the episode where we put somebody on the hot seat. Mike, who we got this week? We've got Saints running back Alvin Kamara. What happens in Vegas? It's pretty messed up. So it definitely doesn't stay there. It definitely doesn't. Well, no, because he was able to post bail uh, and then leave the jail that he was in. Why was he put in jail, you might ask? Great question. Uh, he, let's, I think a fight is a bit of a, a reach. It was more of a, um assault on this guy in a Vegas casino on Saturday morning. Of course, Kamara was there for the NFL's Pro Bowl. So... I guess to warm up for the Pro Bowl, he gets in this fight at the casino where he, um, where video surveillance shows him punching this man in the face eight times. And then some of Kamara's associates stomped on the man while he was on the ground. So now he's being charged with battery resulting in substantial body bodily harm. Uh, the man suffered an orbital fracture to his right eye, um, in addition to various other injuries. And apparently, the police, uh, like the police department, is having uh, some bad publicity as well. Because now it's coming out like that they may have known about this incident and decided to let Kamara play the Pro Bowl before like taking legal action against him. I mean... Admittedly, 
it was like perfectly timed for our hot seat but i feel like just last episode we were like wow this if you're the saints you know you lose drew Brees one year that now you lose your coach and now your running back is getting in trouble like saints don't have a lot going right for them lately definitely not and you know i i've seen so like a lot of feedback on this or people commenting and saying, you know, this is what happens when you host events in Vegas. Like that's no excuse. You can't just be like, Oh, well, if they had hosted this in, uh, Indianapolis instead of Las Vegas, then nobody would have punched anyone. Maybe it wouldn't have been in a casino, but that doesn't mean that that wouldn't have happened. You know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, when you're an NFL player, when you are a millionaire, very successful, you've got everything in the world. I just never understand how these guys can make such poor decisions. Or the fact that like maybe they don't have the right people around them to stop them from making these decisions or to 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 consult them. It just doesn't make like if I was in the NFL and and I had everything that Alvin Alvin Kamara has. There's no way any any type of altercation, any type of argument, anything in public, I'm dipping out. I'm saying see you later. Somebody's gonna film this and they're gonna pin like somehow try to pin this on me. Like I'm out of here. Like no chance, right? And apparently he thought that like this dude was like calling his friends' names or like you know trying to smack talk him or whatever like you can't you can't rise to those things you have to be you have to be smarter than that um and obviously alvin kamara wasn't and whether he got baited into it who knows what actually happened but all we know is there's video indisputable evidence of kamara and his and his buddies doing this and because it's the nfl i'm sure he'll be he'll come off clean and he'll be able to play in the nfl again but it's just kind of crazy that, you know, we, we see stories like this happen all the time when they should all know better. Yeah, I mean, this is the importance of having the right people around you, like having good influences around you. Not only did his friends like not like pull him away from that, not like, you know, talk him down from it. They were active participants in this after like the man was already down. They, I mean, literally kicked him while he's down. Um, so it's not smart of Kamara to engage in this behavior to like assault the guy. Uh, and even if he was baited, like you're saying, like, you know, be better. Uh, don't get sucked into this. Uh, so he's dumb in that way, but it's also like, dude, you have to be selective about who you're associating with because that'll drag you down too. Um, yeah, like you said, um, like if I was in the NFL or NBA or whatever, if I had any sort of fame, like not only would I like be the first to dip at any sign of trouble ever, like I don't care, call me soft, like I'd be out of there. But all of my, uh, all of my, friends associates whatever would have like pristine records like i'm not getting any bad slack for anything 
mark my words like you you see us at the club we're like reading books in the corner like just but anyway maybe i'd be reading a book because rather than fighting somebody i prefer to learn something every now and then which is exactly what i plan to do now via dave's fun fact of the episode the transitions are just out of this world um all right well i think you're going to really enjoy this fun fact my fun fact of the episode now i'm sure that you have heard of notorious drug lord pablo escobar uh, they did a whole Netflix series on him. It's this whole thing, right? One of the major players in in the, you know, in, in drugs, drug trafficking, all that. So apparently Pablo Escobar had a bunch of exotic animals on his estate in northwestern Colombia, right? So when he was killed in 1993, the government seized all of his assets, which included said exotic animals, okay? So we're talking giraffes, elephants, hippos, all this stuff. It's like it's like the freaking savanna out here, like the African savanna out here in Colombia. It's crazy, right? So most of the animals, once they were seized by the Colombian government, were transferred to different zoos and aquariums. But however, the hippos... There were four hippos that were left there to fend for themselves. Now, I don't know. I was not able to to find out if this is because the hippos were just like not having it and they just could not find a way to capture them because hippos are like not only pretty mean tempered, but also just like insanely aggressive. And uh, like you do not want to get in the way of of one of these hippos. Right. So I have no idea if it was just like because of that or they forgot the like they 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 forgot that they were there or whatever i have no idea but the point is these four hippos started their own little pod and started roaming around in colombia um in colombia's waterways up to the point where they started reproducing and so now they're there's an estimated between 40 and 60 of these hippos they're just roaming around in this area of Colombia, just chilling, right? So, <laughs> apparently, the hippos occasionally trample crops or charge at humans. So, there's been an investigation of like, do we need like, what are we going to do about this? But apparently, a lot of a lot of the native Colombians have grown very fond of these hippos now, and are like campaigning against their removal from Colombia. And I promise you, this is not like some made up story or whatever. This is 100% real. So not that you would probably visit Colombia anyway. (laughs) Um, Like, but like as if Colombia doesn't have enough, like, problems now you have like hippos charging people right like <laughs> do they are they called like escobarian hippos or something because that would be kind of okay no well you know i was optimistic yeah um yeah i mean i know hippos are like 
aggressive water creatures. I mean, I have my own like moderate experience with uh, aggressive water creatures. I freaking the alligator that I had, uh, which I guess to like anyone listening would be like the first first time hearing about that. So I'll tell you what, in a future episode, I will tell my alligator story. But going back to these hippos, hippos are much larger, more aggressive, and much more random to this Colombian community. What in the heck? What was Escobar doing where he's like, you know what I really need right now? Four hippos. Like, where do you buy that? Well, to go with his giraffes and his elephants. There's a, there's an Amazon joke here, so I I just don't feel like making it right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were just kind of left to fend for themselves, and of course, like hippos are gonna like take over wherever they like. What is real realistically going to stand in the way of a hippo, like asserting its asserting its dominance upon whatever ecosystem it's put in? And the fact that it was just allowed. I mean, I guess you were saying before, Colombia has enough problems. I guess the government was just like. We have more problems than dealing with these hippos right now and just left unchecked. Now it's there is like like 40 to 60 of them roaming around. It's just, I was just like in disbelief when I when I found this. This is crazy. First of all, I don't I can't pretend to know enough about environmental science to tell you like where hippos sit like on their like food chain. But I can't think of an animal that would be living near a hippo that would reasonably take it out. I mean, maybe like a really jacked up crocodile, but like, you know, one that's been on like protein powder and shit. But like, the the other thing is like, maybe this is some grand metaphor for life, right? Take care of your hippos, aka problems, lest they multiply into bigger and more like uh, widespread hippos problems and then all and then before you know it they'll be trampling your crops and charging <laughs> your friends and associates hey maybe this is what happened to alvin kamara he should have like dealt with the little hippos when they were when they were small and uh low in number and now he has all these other like hippos that are around him I think I think that's coming full circle. I, I think that is the the major thing to take away from from this fun fact is definitely that. Um, but yeah, that's gonna wrap up this episode. Um, we hope that you have enjoyed it. Um, happy Super Bowl weekend and Super Bowl Sunday uh, to all of you. Uh, hope that you are you know gonna have some fun. Maybe you're gonna grill out, get some wings, whatever whatever your food of choice is. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. But most importantly, because we are talking about consuming right now, right? Wings, pizza, drink responsibly, for goodness sake. We, uh, we've we done hot seats that revolve around it. Uh, just to take like 10 seconds to be serious. Have arrangements made. Know where you're sleeping. Take your friend's keys. You know, do all the important things. Uh, be responsible, but have fun for sure. Don't like what's supposed to be a really fun time 
don't turn it into a tragic one or one that that could you know ruin your life or somebody else's for sure um but yeah and also let us know you know moving on from that um the nba all-star team let us know your thoughts on on who you know who was snub who should have made it who shouldn't have made it all of that um and of course you can find us on social media at mike and dave pod to let us know your thoughts there and we'll be interacting with you um on facebook instagram twitter we'll be sharing our hot seat story we'll be um looking out for your opinions and remember by the time this episode airs the nba trade deadline will have come and gone and we will be reacting to all of that on the next episode episode 22 so don't think that we're ignoring that even though we won't really be posting much about that in the interim we will be talking about that on episode 22 rest assured so yeah thank thanks everybody for listening make sure um if you haven't already to uh subscribe to us on whatever platform you listen to us on as well as leaving us a five star uh rating that would be very much appreciated and be sure to listen out every other friday for the newest episode of the mike and dave podcast and as always this has been mike this has been dave and you've been listening to the mike and dave podcast Alexander on the beat.